Welcome to the 9642 Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number 9. And this is The Fool. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our bread and butter here. We're talking more and more football. Yeah, woo! The January transfer window is open and uh, or closed rather, and we had a bunch of interesting transfer transfers come through, which we're going to talk about. We the tail end of the Afcon uh, has uh, has happened as well, which um, yeah. ended excitingly, though a bit tragically as well. And of course, we have the Champions League draw, which we will look at. Not in that particular order either, by the way. <laughs> Let's get into AFCON. Congratulations, Senegal. They were the everybody's favorites before the tournament started. And yeah. Yeah, while they started slow, they eventually uh, managed to win. Bad luck for Burkina Faso. Uh, they were finished fourth. And each, uh, Cameroon, after the stadium disaster, uh, couldn't win their semifinal against uh, Egypt. And basically, the kings of the continent played against Senegal, and unfortunately for them, Senegal won. It was a tense affair, 4-2 uh, on penalties. Yeah. It's a very tense affair. The classic final, right? This is what happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, and all the way to penalties and 4-2. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, pretty classic sort of outcomes there. Yeah, I mean, the tournament was starting great. We were all getting really into it. And mm. obviously the tragedy and late Jan- uh, at January the 26th, I want to say, in Yaoundé with the stadium uh, uh, with the stadium disaster was, uh, was obviously a, a big downer and a tragic yeah. moment for everyone. Um, and uh, there's obviously going to be a lot of questions asked about what, how it happened, what happened. Um, hopefully we'll get some answers for that. Mm. But looking on the football side of the tournament, um, yeah, disappointing for Cameroon all around, do you think? They look like the team informed and the team to beat until the semis. They really did, yeah. So very disappointing for them, I would say. They don't think yeah, they hadn't lost a game up to that point, so Yeah. They'd be very disappointed. They almost lost to Comoros in the second round, and Comoros had their left back playing at goalie because oh, yes. of COVID restrictions, and they almost and then got a player sent off, and then just somehow almost almost managed to beat Cameroon there. So, but yeah. the fairy tale was not to be for their debut Afcon campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gambia managed to make quarterfinals on their debut Afcon campaign. Another fairy That's tale, cool. I think. They'd be very happy with that, I'm sure. Yeah. Managing to beat Guinea in a bad-tempered match with multiple red cards happening. Yeah. Uh, what can you say? It's a uh, it's the sort of thing that happens in a West, in a local derby in the international. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think most of the teams are the that haven't qualified for the African. Uh, World Cup third round uh, should be happy. They they put up a gallant fight. Um, 
yeah. wasn't to be, like I said, for Burkina Faso, who are the only remaining non-World Cup team yeah, yeah. to be in the semi-finals. Um, but yeah, these the other three there were the usual suspects, right? Cameroon, Senegal, Egypt. That's whom you expect to see definitely in the semi-finals. Expect, yeah, definitely expect them to be there. Um, so yeah, no surprises there. Yeah, yeah. They say it was pretty close all round. I mean, Burkina Faso was outplayed by Senegal in the semi-finals, 3-1. I mean, that's just how that goes. But, I mean, they took it to penalties in the third-fourth match. That looked like a, a classic third-fourth match as well. Like, high scoring, yeah. you know, 3-3, three, three, then through the penalties. Like, yeah. just crazy stuff. Yeah, and that was also, I believe that's also a repeat of the semi-finals of the 94 uh, uh, 92, sorry, AFCON, which was the first one I watched. All right, I see. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of heart to be taken for Egypt, Senegal, and Cameroon going into the World Cup. Yeah. Um, they should be confident. Um, I think their players are showing their form, so we'll see. And a few, well, basically in a couple of weeks' time, isn't it? Uh, in March. In the March, yeah. March, three or four weeks, we'll see. Oh, eight weeks, I guess, then. Yeah. We'll see how they do then, and there'll be a bunch of qualifiers, which we will be covering then. Yes. At least, I think, just after that. Moving on from there, we are going to look at the transfer window. Every club, everything, and we're going to give them a grade. Uh, going yeah. in alphabetical order. Um, this is the info I have. I don't know what you have. But Aston Villa got Callum Chambers, Philip Coutinho, Lucas Digny. I think incredible work. A++. <laughs> immediately, <laughs> like, Phil Coutinho looks like he's just immediately coming in, scoring a goal, assisting another. Lucas Digny was the best player at Everton. I don't know why Everton sold him. That's, yeah, weirdo. Why you sell a fullback who's in form and... And Callum Chambers, he's had a, a mixed career at Arsenal, should we say, but he's a versatile player. He can play all on the right side of the defence. He can cover the centre of the defence if need be. He'd be a useful squad player for Aston Villa. I think for a January transfer window, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. We did skip over Arsenal on the alphabetical order, so I apologise to the Gunners fans. <laughs> but their big one is they have an exit. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, leaves Ooh. the club. F or F minus? That that feels like an F minus. I mean, that's a big leave. Yeah, letting your captain leave to go to Barcelona on a free transfer. Oof. Yeah. That's. I mean, if the if the player doesn't want to stay, the player doesn't want to stay. Not much you can do there, but. Yeah, no, no. not a lot you can That's, do. But... The fact that it got to that situation where, like, they're in a tight race for top four, he would have been a key player if he could get some form, but it was not to be. Yeah. And um, now we move into the B clubs, as in the clubs that start with B. Um, Christian Eriksen uh, basically uh, ended his contract with Inter Milan on mutual terms after his incident in the Euros. Um, he's been given a chance to play at Brentford. It's basically yeah. a pay-as-you-go deal. So, yeah, uh, because he has an ICD, he's not allowed to play in Italian football. There's no 
such hesitation in English football. So he he came back to England. Brentford's giving him a go. I want to give this an A just because if it works, it'll be a masterstroke. Like, I think it's worth the risk. That's not even really a risk. It's worth a punt. It's a yeah. feel-good story. And he Christian Eriksen comes back to London. You know, nobody, everybody's going to like this. Yeah, I see no real problems here either. Like, as you say, it's a sort of a as-you-go thing, so there's no real risk if it doesn't work out, you know, oh, they all tried, but yeah, it gives Brentford a, a world-class player. Um, it gives Ericsson a, a, a route back to top-flight football as well, so I think, yeah, all around, that's both sides, that's A++. Yeah. Um, so definitely we'll be looking forward to seeing how he does. Now, next up, we have Burnley who lost Chris Wood, yeah. and they replaced him with Wout Weghorst uh, from Wolfsburg. Now, both player and club have mentioned that the buyout clause was uh, was triggered in his contract. Mm. This is why $25 million for Chris Wood, yeah. Newcastle got. We will talk about Newcastle, of course. Um, the Burnley was forced to sell him. Um, Mixed feelings about this because I think Chris Wood is like a relegation warrior and Burnley may have literally just sold survival to the Premiership to Newcastle for $25 million. Yeah, that's well, how Wood, I feel as well. Like he's playing in the Bundesliga. Um, these days in the Premiership, so hard for our players from overseas to come in and immediately be good. Yeah, exactly. Immediately, like your Bruno Fernandezes and players like him are rare yeah. these days. So I think it's going to be very uh, difficult uh, for Burnley going forward. Uh, I'm not going to give them the F- minus of Arsenal. I think uh, a D. Yeah, I would, I would give them a C-. minus. I mean, as you said, it was a buyout clause that's that set that as it. They had no real choice once Newcastle said, said yep we'll pay the 25 million like it's it's what was in the in the contract so sort of hard to give them a a, a fail mark or something that they basically had their hands tied like it's a fail mark from signing Chris Wood but at the time it's it was a really good idea to have that and like it wouldn't have been a bad thing so I think it's a yeah, it's bad for Burnley. Um, as you say, I feel like that's just called Burnley, you're going down. Like, yeah. I don't no, think... But at the same time, as you say, that's just the way contracts work. You know, you said, you can have this player if you pay this money. And Newcastle went, sure. Here's the money. And so, Pretty yeah. much. And uh, I don't know if... I guess, you know, Verkost is probably the best option Burnley had for the replacement. So at least they got a replacement. So it's, for me, that's... Um, that's a C minus. Like you're forced into something because of the way the contract is, but you got a replacement. You may or may not work out, but you had to get it. Like they hadn't got a replacement, that's fail. But they at least got a replacement. With yeah, and Burnley have had issues scoring goals, so we will yeah. see how it goes going forward for them. Um, next up we have Everton. Vitai Miolenko coming in uh, to replace Digny and Nathan Patterson on the right side of fullback, 20-year-old. And from Rangers, they've got Donny van der Beek on loan, Deli Ali on loan. 
all around good business. I mean, sure, selling Digny was a terrible idea, but they have got two new fullbacks at the club. Uh, I'm not a fan of buying someone new for somebody already established. Why? You know? Yeah, yeah. Bird exactly. and is worth two in the bush, as they say. But yeah. apparently there were issues with the manager, but they fired the manager, so that's really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like... If you were going to fire the manager anyway, don't sell all these players that you've sold because the manager annoyed you. Like this is, like I said, that's really dumb. Um, but getting yeah. Donny van der Beek and Delia, Frank Lampard's done really well. So this is not yeah. a, this grade is not a criticism of Frank Lampard. He's done incredibly well, limited time he's had. He's obviously been arranging a lot of this behind the scene. Yeah. Um, Getting Frank Lampard is a good move as well. I'm inclined to give them a C. Yeah, I, I'm inclined as well. You're right. Like, seems it was sort of a if move to sell Digny and sack your manager, sort of sameish time. But then what they've done after that is sort of made up for it. It still feels like you didn't need to do the selling if you were just going to sack the manager that everybody was having a problem with and get in a manager that has somewhat proven to be able to take a club and be like hey things are going badly but i can sort of steady the ship and, and make things work i agree it's then the sell a, a player and then but they say they did replace them well enough so yeah c minus i guess like it's a pass but can't i'm not like thinking oh my god this is great work but it's like yeah you you did what was needed i guess see or c minus yeah, um, Liverpool, Luis Diaz, um, I don't know how much you've watched of this player, I've been following him a little bit on the hipster football blogs, he's apparently the best player in the Premier, uh, played, uh, Premier League in yeah. Portugal, is right. incredible, um, down the left flank, which is uh, Sadio Mane's area, but he could play as a forward, he could play as a left mid, uh, you know, in the, in the mid field three he can also play in the center he's super versatile he's happy to press really well um and also opens up channels like this guy's a great player if he works at liverpool if he settles and everything he's going to be a really good player 45 million is a bargain um for a january transfer this is At least an A for me, for Jordan Klopp. That's really well done by Liverpool. It's also like, it puts pressure on players like Mane, whose form have dropped a bit. And basically, if Salah were to leave now, or Mane were to leave now, not sign new contracts, they're like, you know, this is the new guy. They've replaced him. It's a really clever business, I think. That's good. Yeah, I don't know much about Diaz. So I'm quickly looking up now, so I'll have to defer to your experience and, and expertise on him uh but yeah i mean looking here quickly it seems to be that everybody is yeah agreeing that he's a really good buy so that yeah, yeah i think for the reasons you put out yeah that has to be an a for liverpool you know got someone that's really good ahead of spurs and united i think it said um yeah so you know they've moved quickly got a guy that others wanted as well secured and as you said Especially United, because there's a bit of a Portuguese mafia at at United. And United traditionally get a lot of good Portuguese players, players from the Portuguese league. Yeah. Like they had a long-standing partnership with Sporting. Carlos Quiroz was at the club for such a long time. 
And as I said, there's basically a Portuguese mafia there or a Portuguese speaking mafia there. So <laughs> uh, I'm surprised Luis Dias didn't uh, didn't want to go there. Um, uh, but also, go, uh, I'm going to change that a bit. I've, the fact that Liverpool still haven't sorted out Mohamed Salah's contract and Virgil yeah. van Dijk's contract, and they're about to, they're both due to expire around the same time. And I believe this is it's the same situation for Bobby Firmino. Mm. So uh, I am going to lower my grade a little bit because I count that as part of your transfer business, getting your player things sorted out. At least that, or you should have sold Salah in this thing if you weren't going to be able to re-sign the con. And he's not, he's just asking for regular goat level money he's not asking for ridiculous goat level money he's not asking for psg wages he's asking for man city wages or man right, united yeah. so i think salah's not asking for unreasonable things is what i'm saying you know <laughs> yeah yeah i think uh, mohammed salah is worth 300 million a week 300,000 a week i think yeah yeah. At, at the form he's under. Um, that, so I think, yeah, Liverpool, I'm going to have to change that to a B, not an A. B, overall. overall but that, yeah. that transfer is great. A for the transfer itself, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Definitely a great transfer, as you say. Um, mm. I think you're right. Sort of the same at Chelsea. I was just looking. I can't see whether we've actually managed to um, firm up our our contract expiring people yet um yeah but yeah similar thing of haven't if you haven't sorted them over this or just before this transfer window you know that's sort of going to be a a, something hanging over you for the rest of the season they can sort of just leave at the end of the season yeah yeah moving on from liverpool we are going to the champions elect shall we say or defending champions really as well, um, Ferran Torres was leaving City after he had a great season last season, um, but he wanted to leave the club. And City were like, "Okay, if we get a player, you know, if we get the right offer for you, we will let you go. No point keeping you if you don't want to stay." Yeah, which seems to have become their mantra. But they got good money for him—55 million for a player who wanted to go to Barcelona, of all people. Where are they getting this money that they didn't pay to keep Messi? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so Torres uh, Torres has gone to Barcelona for 55 million and they've also uh, instead of getting a proven center forward they've uh, they've gotten uh, Julian Alvarez from River Plate, 22 years old uh, he's being kept at his current club on loan till the end of the season good business I think for both the River Plate and Julian Alvarez and City I mean Bringing yeah. him in as a young player, if he proves to be really, really good at City, actually beds in. And City are very good at scouting. Um, yeah. I feel like this guy would have been a player they uh, put into one of their feeder clubs in either you know New York or or Melbourne uh, yeah. or Mumbai for that matter, and let him slowly go up the ranks. But they've decided, nah, he's we we need a striker at City. Why not put him in? Bring him in, let him learn. Even if he doesn't get start for the team next season all that much, comes in as a sub. You know, City didn't need a striker yeah. this season, so maybe they won't need one next season either. So, Might as well have the yeah 
the apprentice on. <laughs> you you have the luxury to grow someone instead of like buying one in, you know, grow something yeah. for cheap. Um, so it's very interesting. I think does that signal they're not necessarily going to go for um, um, uh, go for Mbappe or um, uh, his name? I'm Dortmund striker. Uh, it's going to kill me. Yes. God damn it. Uh, Oh, Holland. Holland. <laughs> it's like yes. the guy we all know. That that guy. The guy, that guy we all know that everybody's listening just understood. But of course, his name just escaped me. Um, Erling Holland. Uh, maybe they're not going to go for him. Maybe Chelsea. Maybe well, United have put down that they are trying to go for him. So we'll see how that works out. Um, maybe it's just you know, the I'd be surprised as well. if. Yeah, I'd also be surprised if City didn't put in their money. Yeah. Just I guess... to show that they were. Yeah, I guess it just gives them a, a backup option. So if they get Haaland, they've got Haaland and Alavarez. Like, well, we've got two good people. We've got the proven striker and the and the Wunderkinder to grow. And if they don't get him because he, Chelsea or United or whoever outbids or he decides to go elsewhere or whatever comes up, and they're like, yeah, we've still got Alvarez and our current attacking um, lot. So yeah. no harm, no foul, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, good business from City all around. They always mm. do good business if they do any business in the January transfer window. Yeah, I'm inclined to give them an A here. Got rid of a player who didn't want to stay for very good money, um, and got in a replacement to solve a long-term problem. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong there. Newcastle. That. This is the one everybody. Has been waiting for, I'm sure. First off, Kieran Tripper, Trippier coming in from Atletico Madrid for 15 million. Insane. Yeah. Great buy. A done. 15 mil for an England starter. Such a good player. Yes. Uh, Dan Byrne uh, from Burnley uh, coming in from Brighton. Let's get there. Buying somebody from a direct rival, which is what I like. He's. Yeah. He's centre-back. I don't know if he's as good as Lachelles or Clark, but those guys have been leaking goals. If he's, if he just puts a... If all he does is kick them up the bum and acts as another, you know, backup yeah. to the defence, it's going to be job well done, I think. And Eddie Howe, I think, will know how to use him. So good price that. Uh, Chris Wood for £30 million. This is the... We need to get get us out. Um, this is... Yeah. Uh, Chris Wood is potentially their... Um, Get out of jail free card. Um, the uh, how they plan to use Chris Wood is going to be interesting because they do have Callum Wilson and Alan St. Maximum, yeah. who are uh, but they have been lacking in goals. And Chris Wood lives off nothing pretty much at Burnley yeah. and scores goals. So if Newcastle are even sl give him slightly better service, if he can get even. Uh, five to ten goals. That's gonna be a really good. That's gonna be a really good buy for the for them. Um, Thirty million. Yeah. yeah, it's pricey. Definitely pricey. But yeah, I can't give this less than a B minus at least. Yeah, that, that's basically a bit of a tentative buy. You don't know how well Chris will play in Newcastle, and he is a bit of an injury prone player as well. That is yeah. the other downside. 
of that. Um, obviously, yeah. we love him. Don't get us wrong. And he's going to be awesome. And he's going to win the World Cup for Newcastle uh, for New Zealand this summer. That's but, right. you know, that's just Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. That's... And, yeah, so far, like, his first two games in Newcastle were a bit edgy. Um, but I did notice that while some of the critics were like, oh, Chris Wood's not doing anything, like... All the managers, all his fellow players were like, oh yeah, no, having him on board is like, it's really made a big difference. Like, yeah, it's, he's doing great work out there and it's actually making a difference in the field and, and making us better. So that's a, yeah. a good sign that, yeah, whilst maybe visually there's not things happening, um, the team's feeling better with him there. At least if that's something that brings it on, like this, we've got a guy that, you know, has been in the exact position we've been in for a team with scraps and has you know outscored actual top strikers last year he was last year the year before he was one of the top wasn't the top but he was top three or top four strikers in the league this season hasn't been as good for him i think he's only scored three goals so far this season very poor for him but i think showed more how little he was getting at burnley um yeah as you're saying if newcastle can provide him even a little bit more service like he'll get back to last year's numbers and that will be enough for Newcastle. And same with Trippier coming in as well, like that's just really shoring up things. Like, yeah, I don't see Newcastle as having a... hard to give them a, a poor grade here. Like, say, B- minus seems even low, like a B, B plus. Just... Yeah, absolutely. And the other... Uh, part is they got Bruno Guimaraes from Leon. This kid is a well, he's not a kid anymore. He's twenty four, but he's a good player. This is potentially a Conte level signing for Newcastle. Yeah, I think uh, forty two million worth the money. Uh, you they need a strong, you know, they need somebody who's a rock in the middle of the midfield. That doesn't matter what formation you're playing. Somebody who doesn't let. Uh, keeps people in line, doesn't let the balls in. I mean, I'm only slightly exaggerating about the Kante comparison, but he... If Newcastle stay up, he's going to have a lot to say about it. Um, I think that's a great buy. Um, You will need all these players. I'll also point out that all these players have probably also been told, like, you know, if we don't stay up, you are playing in the championship next season. Yeah. But we're going back up. That's one season of championship football. But, you know, if you have, like, ambitions of doing stuff, you know, then that's prob- this is probably not the project for you. Like, so these, uh, these are all players who can also, you know, fight the good fight for them in the championship next season. Yeah, and I feel like so there's all players that, that will do that as well. Like, as you yeah. said, it, it would be part of the conversations. Like, this is, mm. we may or may not stay up. Like, I feel the buying, like, that transfer window for Newcastle is about as good as they could do uh, in this transfer with the money they've got to try and, with the position they've got, try and, and keep up play. It's all good transfers that are aimed at keeping them up, but at the same time going, but it is a three-year project. So if we go down, yeah. we've got a year, another year to get through, and then we'll be back up. And it's all players that would sign on to that project of, yeah, we'll fight for staying up. And if we do, yay. If we don't, it's a year of the championship. We can manage that, and we're all happy to to go along with that. And when the championship will come, and then come back up. So yeah, I feel like it's it's some very astute buying there. Yeah, I don't think anybody's really going to not do that. So yeah, the other last player who we didn't mention yet, uh, Matt Target, who was 
Aston Villa's player of the season, player's player of the season. Mm. Really good player, I think, has good uh, premiership experience. Loan move to Newcastle. Um, if Newcastle stay up, he is going to stay. So he will probably not play in the championship next season if they were to be relegated, hence the yeah. loan move. Um, but yeah, it's I think another incredible buy. Like you've basically bought a whole defense here and a striker. Um, yeah. A plus plus once again, like incredible transfer window for Newcastle. They've given the current owners of Newcastle have given the Eddie Howe the tools yeah. he needs for the project exactly. first for the first window. So I I don't think he can complain no, at all. There's no, I don't, you say, I don't see any complaints in here at all. You've got just the tools you needed, the people that will buy into the project, and probably, yeah, I say, good enough set of people to go along with this current squad to A, fill in for the problems they've been having, B, drive others to better, you know, give the competition so that people are actually going to push higher, and therefore likely give the best chance of staying up, which obviously is their, their, prime route the one that they would prefer to head down but at the same point not locking them into what happens if that doesn't happen yeah exactly right um next up we have at tottenham hotspur uh with uh rodrigo bentacor dijan kulovsky they joined on deadline day uh they are I think the latter is on loan and uh, Rodrigo Bentecourt purchased for 19 million quid. Um, Antonio Conte is starting the project. He wants Spurs to qualify for the Champions League this season. Uh, the They want to be... Yeah, this is they're not just settling for Europa League. They want to be... Yeah. Uh, in the, they want to be in the top tier. They want to be finishing in the Champions League. Um, and I think the it's it's a good buy. Spurs have done d- decent business for what you know as much of a pro- as you can do a project for like a Conte style project because it needs a bit of time. You do need to build that right team, and he play Conte needs a particular player fits a particular yeah. profile. Um, and they've given him a few of the tools. Uh, so we, uh, yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see what Conte does with them. I mean, uh, it is still, I, I think at least with this sort of idea, they can, when Conte leaves, not if, uh, <laughs> we can, um, uh, we know that they've got a few, uh, they've got a few players, they've got a style and their next manager you know, they should look for a manager who can utilize those players yeah, yeah. Uh, the, way, uh, the right way. But yeah, I think Spurs, decent business all around. I am. Um, I got to say B. I don't know what the orange haired one thinks about it, but yeah. Um, just as a side note, um, Manchester United have loaned a bunch of players out. Nobody's coming in. Ama Diallo um, to Rangers, Anthony Martial to Sevilla. Donny van der Beek to Everton. Yeah, I don't particularly... I think there were too many players in the squad, probably, at United to keep people happy, so there needed to be a few outgoings. I feel bad for Jesse Lingard, 
who like who was sanctioned to have a le a game uh to leave the club but they couldn't find a loan deal for him because he wanted to make it to the and this is like one of those you feel bad for him because uh Jesse Lingard is a social media guy and yeah. Ralph Ragnick has gone on about I don't communicate to people on social media and so Jesse Lingard went and had a chat with them and said look I want to play for England in the World Cup and if I'm not in your team that's not going to happen and Ragnick went yeah fair enough that, you know yeah. I'm, I'm happy to let you leave then you've given me a valid reason and I understand that I can't guarantee you this you're not going to be happy that's completely acceptable and yeah. and the because there wasn't going to be a loan fee and and things like this he just didn't get through so I feel bad for Jesse Lingard there yeah, uh, so he will he will be free of his United contract and free to go wherever he likes later right, on yeah yeah but yeah, but I think the, there's not much else. I don't think Chelsea's had any major incomings or outgoings for that matter. I think other than loans. I think it was yes. It's basically just yeah, loans, loans, loans. Lewis Baker got sold, but loans, loans. And then... Yeah. A couple of, uh, of um, serve team type people in. But, but think, yeah. this is the standard January window and Newcastle. Everybody else kind of bought okay players, and Newcastle bought a bunch of good players. Uh, I do think that they have improved their position. I think they're in a position now not to be relegated. Yeah. I think we did say we reserved judgment on Newcastle until we see what they do in the transfer window about that relegation battle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I said I think Norwich are going to stay up. They're going to fight. Uh, I think the ta looking at the table now, we I think Watford and uh, Burnley are probably done. I think it's with the sale of Chris Wood. I think that's a league too far. Norwich and Newcastle are going to fight out for that 17th spot, and and also maybe even Everton if they don't pick up their game. Everton were about to get into a relegation dogfight. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think so... they're still pretty much in it. They're only on 19 points. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're definitely Watford's... still in... Yeah, go on. Yeah. I say, and Watford's on 15, so I mean, they're... Uh, yeah. Burnley's only 13. Like, it's not that big a difference, but I do feel we have Burnley's transfer window sort of was them being like, sure, we'll go play Champions League, a uh, championship next year. That's just what we're doing. Um, we'll take our money for Chris Wood, thanks. We'll... Do what we can, but this side we're going down. Newcastle's buying's like we're actually gonna fight it. I feel Everton sort of is is doing their best to try and arrest that fall, but it could get still be very dicey for them. And there are a few bad results here and there, and they haven't been picking up good results recently. I mean, their their signings will start to that but yeah i think getting reinforcements is key like everton have done the right thing by bringing more bodies for the fight yeah i think whether those are the right bodies we'll find out yeah it's interesting with Spurs, as well, so yeah probably um, a good, another good body into that fight like if you look at right now there are clubs who have only played maybe 19 games when like Burnley and there's clubs who have only played 24 games so it is going to be a topsy turvy yeah. season to say the least 
That's um, a good point with Burnley being only uh, 19 games, so... Yeah. But I think it's harder to make up points when you have to play a bunch of games at once mm. at the end of the season to... Especially as, as it gets later and later in the season for them to have yeah, to catch yeah. those games up. Like, it's... Yeah, I, I think so. I think so too. It's going to be really challenging. So that's not an advantage for Burnley. It's just that they have more points available for them to earn. Yeah, is all mathematically, but it does make it harder. Um, I think. Uh, like at the moment in the top four, like I think City are sitting pretty. To uh, to be completely fair. Um, yeah. Sure, they're a game ahead of New Liverpool, but a good nine Stokes. points ahead. Yeah, even that game, Liverpool wins that. It's still, yeah, six points different. So that's two completely lost games by City. Liverpool yeah. win over them. So it's... I mean, Manchester City have now lost another game. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I somehow don't see City dropping enough points for Liverpool to catch them. We've looked over Manchester City's schedule before. I don't think... Yeah. I don't think there's much coming up that's going to really hurt them in uh, the upcoming games. Uh, and with they've only lost two games this season and like 118 already out of 23. That's, they're having an incredible season. Um, yeah. Liverpool are uh, a game behind. I think they're with two, a game, uh, two games ahead of Chelsea in uh, in terms of they've got two games in hand yeah. to Chelsea and a point ahead. So I think that's a good uh, lead. And they've brought in a reinforcement, um, a key reinforcement, I think, for their attack. Yeah. So I think it's going to be difficult for Chelsea to catch them on second. But I think Chelsea have kind of secured third place. But they just have to be careful. Uh, United are only two games behind them, uh, two games behind them, and only about um, nine points behind. So they'll yeah. only be about three points behind if they were to win their two remaining games in hand. But it's Manchester United, so that's not going to happen. So I yeah. don't really need to worry. Um, the yeah. we do have uh, a bit of a congested fixture list coming up for us because we're off to the World Club Champs. So. Hmm. February is is mostly over there, and then a bit of a make or break for Chelsea. I don't think they're yeah. going to lose a top four spot, but it's a it's going to be a difficult month, a challenging month for them. It just means, yeah, that there's a couple of extra games. Like you have to find a few extra games here and there. Uh, that, though... that scheduling thing again. That top four is tight. United, West Ham, Arsenal, Spurs. I think Spurs buying two good players, though they have loaned out Ali De- uh, Deli Ali, who, to be fair, hasn't been playing that good for Spurs anyway. So yeah. uh, that's fair enough. Um, Arsenal, who've lost P- uh, Obama Yang. I don't know how they're going to do without him. Yeah. Um, but they he hasn't been playing that well for Arsenal, to be fair, this season. So... We'll see. Uh, this is the chance for West Ham. I think, once again, they're in pole position at the moment. In ter- if you look at games in hand and like pl- not losing players and things like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're three, uh, they are three games ahead. They have three played three more games than Spurs. So in that top four battle, Spurs are probably the mathematically most advantageous position. Yeah. They don't have European football, but 
Manchester United are out of the FA Cup, and I think so that kind of makes up for that part, I guess. But yeah. I do think Manchester United are going to target Europe. They want to try and qualify for the Champions League because I don't think they're going to finish top four. I think the club knows that. Um, I think Ralph Ragnick knows that. So I think this is Spurs, and it's one of the three London clubs that are going to finish fourth. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's. I think it's going to be a tight race, as you say. It's interesting how it's all going to fall out. Yeah, I think you may be right that maybe United is going to start slipping further. Uh, but say they got Europa, so maybe they just say if they focus there, then that gives them a route, and they'll probably be in touchy distance. So that if that fails, they can they can re reconcentrate back onto fourth spot, and probably won't be too far off the pace to. To get there, if yeah. not still hanging on to fourth by a fingernail. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's actually hard to tell. Like, yeah. The four of them have all got their pros and cons about how it's going to work out. They Arsenal were resurgent, but this transfer window is probably not the best for them. So that may hurt them, but we'll have to see. Yeah, Spurs have, have got the games in hand, but they're the bottom of that pile. But they had the better transfer window. But say yeah. games at hand doesn't necessarily re- result into turn into results because maybe it's too many. You know, especially now you're getting lots of games piled in top of each other. That's you know, mm. starts to stretch that squad a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. That being said, United this month anyway in February have a pretty tasty schedule: Burnley away. Southampton at home, Brighton at home, Leeds away, and Watford at home when uh, for February, and they've got that Atletico away for the Champions League. Yeah. So obviously they're gonna want to rest some players and stuff for that uh, to try and get into the Atletico game. But you know, United have beaten Leeds every time since Leeds got promoted um, and they that's a club they don't want to lose to. They definitely don't want to lose to the South Coast teams who are like, they're, they're not in the relegation zone, but they're threatening their yeah. thereabouts at the moment. Um, and obviously Watford, Burnley are clubs I think are going to be relegated. So if United don't beat them, then, you know, yeah, that's, that's how bad they are. That's a pro. Yeah. Uh, so there is a good chance United can win all their Premier League games this season. In which case, we're having a completely different conversation. Like, yeah, as which is like the opposite of what Chelsea has. Like, they have a very difficult uh, February. Yeah. That said, United are not going to win all their <laughs> games. In February, so that's just I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> uh, uh, before people go on about me being. Uh, uh, being an overly optimistic United fan, no, I know that's not gonna happen. Like, settle down, <laughs> settle down. Yeah, we'll be um, slightly optimistic, but really just not. Not gonna happen. Uh, but I mean, yeah, that's a for, for Chelsea. I mean, just as a side point, like our February is basically Crystal Palace. That's our yeah. February schedule for the for the Premier League. Like everything else is other competition. Yeah, I, which is not bad for the from a Premier League point of view. You yeah. are going to have a lot of games to catch up, which is, as we said, kind of disadvantageous. 
But I mean, we get. Hopefully, that should be a three pointer anyway on the 20th. So we should get those points. Yeah, and that's just a matter of, of keeping in touch. But, uh, former mean, Chelsea called Zuma kicked a cat. Oh, really? Oh, my Zuma. Yeah. What have you done? Dear God. Um, I was. Before that bombshell, which is horrible, horrible stuff. Um, I was going to say our March is looking really good from a Premier League point of view. We get Burnley, Newcastle, and Norwich City through March. So that seems um. Yeah, I mean, I think Norwich City will be a force because they'll be yeah. trying to get out of relegation. But yeah, that's still I mean, not it's... necessarily a team you should lose to, but. It's three relegation battles um, yeah. happening, which may mean, you know, some bus, bus parked and hoping for a draw, or maybe, you know, them doing whatever they can. But yeah, technically, that should be, you know, that along with Crystal Palace should be four from four until we get to the end of March. At least from a Premier League point of view, it should keep us moving along quite well. And we, can, you know, there's no real tough super tough top-of-the-table fixtures in that and concentrate on the Champions League and on the World Cup, the, world, the Club World Cup during that time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, moving on from the Premier League, we go to the Champions League and the Champions League draw has been done. We, know, we knew the teams going in and now we know the matchups and they are all tasty. Because oh, this yeah. is what it's like in the Champions League once the knockouts begin. Let's, uh, at the start, crown. we have the old prince and the crown prince. PSG versus Real Madrid. Yeah. PSG, I'm just going to say it, they are going to own Real Madrid. They have been, they've been really good against the Spanish clubs in recent years. They've just, yeah. it's the whole, if we can't beat you, we'll buy you strategy. That's worked really well for them. Yeah. I think Messi is going to try and prove something. Sergio Ramos is going to be up there for the fight. I think um, I would be very surprised if PSG, especially because they've got the home thing at first at, in February, don't put up a good showing. I expect them to do really well. They're going to play Ber at the Bernabeu and yeah. I expect them to do well against Real Madrid. I, I'm going for PSG on that. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit harsh on Real Madrid. Like, they win their group, and, you know, PSG's your, your number two in, the, in one of the other groups. Like, it's like, well... That's, yeah, that's a, that's a very rough draw, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, say, go on. PSG, I think, got the firepower this year. Real Madrid, less so. That, yeah, I think PSG's going to go through. Um, but it's going to be pretty close in both ones you're like one of the games might end up being a blowout and that's just the deciding bit but i feel like the the tie itself is going to be pretty pretty close um yeah i think i agree with you that psg is going to take it but yeah uh, it is a pretty choice um tasty meal yeah of a, yeah. of a tie as you say we've got them all the way through this um yeah so, yeah yeah that's a particularly good one Next up, we have Sporting Lisbon against Manchester City. Sporting Lisbon returning to the champion, or like winning the Premier uh, Premier League after a long time, and then 
after going through all the troubles that the club's going through at the moment, their reward after doing so well in the group stages is to play Manchester City. Um, <laughs> um, uh, they're a plucky outfit. They're going to put up a big fight at, at home, but I think City is going to beat them at home. It will be a yeah. close game, but City know how to break down tough defenses, especially in Europe, and they have the players and they have the firepower. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I think... Sorry, sporting the fairy tale ends here. I City. think you're right. Yeah, it's 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 that end of this fairy tale. It's been a good run for them. They did really well, second in their group. But once again, that draw can sometimes just be not very nice on you. Yeah, getting city, especially in the form cities in, like that end of the road for you, sporting. Sorry, pretty much. Following on from that, we have an all-German affair. Our, mm. Sorry, not, not all-German affair, but yeah, German-speaking affair. <laughs> uh, RB Salzburg and Bayern. Salzburg have had a bit of a fairy tale run as well, qualifying yeah. for knockouts of the Champions League. Um, obviously a really well-run club. They're usually a bit overshadowed by their sister club, the Lawn Bulls people uh, from Leipzig. Um, but yeah... Bayern are a favorite for a reason, right? The yeah, surely gonna, and they're probably one of the favorites for people to win the Champions League and go all the way through. So, don't see any reason to take that status away from them. Bayern, 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 Bayern. Yeah, I, I think you're right. So once again, good work. Um, by Salzburg getting up to second in their group, but it's the way that the cookie crumbles and get your draw get a top seed you get Bayern once again that's just where things stop yeah then we have the uh, we have the battle between two European giants Inter Milan Internazionale and Liverpool mm. Inter have been playing really well this season I think this matchup is actually going to be closer than people think yeah. I do think Liverpool are going to win here, just because the European form is irresistible, even away from home. But I do think Inter is going to put up a fight. I don't think Liverpool is going to have a lead going into the second round at home in Anfield, but they should yeah. they should win in the end. They should win at the end. As you say, Inter is doing very well at the top of the Serie A at the moment. Um, so yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty, pretty close match, as you say. Like, it's, the tie is going to be close. I think, yeah, Liverpool having qualified top, getting the benefit of having the home game second, I think we'll do it to say. I yeah. don't see them having the, the lead going into that tie, but it's either just going to be a one-goal deficit or or it's going to be a tie. And then they should be able to make it up in the at home. But you say it's, yeah. it's going to be very close. Because Inter's playing really well this year seem to be be back at a, at a high form so see how how it goes for them yeah next up so we have chelsea we're probably given a draw they're pretty happy with yeah um against lille um definitely a winnable fixture for chelsea on paper but they as you mentioned have a really busy schedule uh club yeah. world cup um uh lots of games to play um, and we don't know how fatigue will uh, affect them in the home stretch. So they may, 
even play a bit poorly in the first leg at home, but make up for it in the end in Lille. But Lille are a tough outfit to break up. They're the classic French league on streetwise uh, yeah. performer. So it's going to be tough for Chelsea, but I do think Chelsea are going to get go through. Yeah. The only thing that I'm looking in our favor is that Lille are in a bit of a slump at the moment. So um, hopefully that... They've been in a slump in League on for a while, but Champions League doing really well somehow. Yeah, yeah. So. I was just hoping that maybe that sort of just balances out our fatigue, that you know, they're not on the, the best thing, but it's a Champions League they've been playing well, so who knows how it's, it's going to go. So it's a bit busy for us, um, more just the travel. Going to the Club World Champs, coming back. Playing Palace, then playing Lille. So, uh, see how we go. I yeah. I think, yeah, out of the teams we could have got, probably the best option that that we could have been drawn with. So. Yeah. And next up, we have Villarreal playing Juve. Villarreal are streetwise, experienced performers in this league. They're current Europa League champions as well. Yeah. Um really good side Juve are kind of are really good in Europe at the moment but not doing too well in Syria this is a really even contest uh I actually think Villarreal are gonna go ahead currently um they play like a team they play um uh Pellegrini's just got them going properly um I think they're gonna do really well this Champions League. I don't I could even see them making it to the uh semis. Ooh. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I think you're right. Villarreal are doing reasonably well. Ventus not having the season they've had previously. Um yeah, I think you're right that Villarreal's probably going to we're gonna win the tie. Um it's another pretty close one. Be interesting to see. I just I don't know how far would go. That's going to depend on who that um, quarterfinal draws for. But yeah, I mean they're playing well, so anything's possible. Right draw there, in good form. It's knockout football now, right? So absolutely. And just as a next up, we have Atletico Madrid and Manchester United. Uh, both clubs are Atletico currently top of La Liga, one of the teams to beat there. But they haven't played that well in the Champions League. United haven't been playing well full stop. But <laughs> it's difficult for me to say United are going to beat Madrid here. I think United are going to lose and try and win the Europa League. That seems to be the plan. <laughs> uh, I think there's still potentially a, an option here. Uh, they got Atletico... Yes, but in Madrid it can be hard, um, but it'll be. I think that's going to be the key. If it's two or more goals, then yeah, okay, it might be over. But if it's a draw or just one goal deficit, um, especially if they get an away goal, then that could yeah. be a big difference going into the the second leg of the tie. So I think yeah, the the game in Madrid is going to be the the make or break for United for that. That um that tie and where they go and how they say and whether they how much they're trying and how much they're gonna try for a different route. But 
Yeah. So. Next up, we have Benefica versus Ajax. Two European giants. They have, uh, uh, they uh, they have about six Euro European cups between them. Mm. Um, so uh, this is going to be a really interesting fight. Unfortunately, they're are not quite the big clubs they used to be from back in the day. Yeah. But you can definitely. Uh, th- I think this is going to be a very very interesting matchup. I do think Ajax are going to win. Um, it's a bit of a, I think, uh, it's a bit of a window for Ten Hag to show the big clubs in Europe what a good manager he is. Yeah. So he can get the <clears throat> United job next season. <laughs> um, we'll see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I think Ajax are going to go ahead. I would be, it would be incredible, I think, if Ajax did a really deep run. Like, I think Ajax have a good enough team to win the Champions League. Yeah. Um, but the manager and the style, I don't think they will, by the way. But I think if you're looking for like a romantic story to bet some money on, I would pick Ajax. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think Ajax is going to win that one as well. I think that's, uh, I mean, there was a few, um, options that they could have gotten that that would not have been so nice for them for having for winning their their group um i think benfica is as a good reward from it's and it's a good reward for benfica as well like they've done well to come second in their group um and and it's going to be a really interesting fight that one um i think you're right that ajax are gonna gonna take the tie um and and yeah and Potentially, that's going to be a troubling quarter-final matchup. Whoever gets Ajax or Benfica, but um, much like if you know the Villarreal, Villarreal makes through, Ajax makes it through. That's going to be two potentially um, difficult opponents in the the quarterfinals for whoever gets them, or if they get each other, which would be one sad and wonderful at the same time. Yeah, but yeah going to be good good football around as it always is once you get to the knockouts of the champions league absolutely absolutely um just a few stats here so salzburg i think is the smallest city that's still got a champions league club nice uh, in the knockout stages um we have lisbon and manchester are equally represented with the most number and madrid of course <laughs> are the cities with the most number of participants still remaining in the competition. So, yeah, there's some interesting facts I like to share. Uh, That's very interesting. And now we are moving on to our final segment, which is, as always... Moe Watch, Moe Watch, Moe Watch. Maybe we need to come up with like a little jingle or something for this, by the way, and just... Yeah, we maybe do. We might actually have to write something. (laughs) (laughs) As you know, we are following the trials and tribulations of the manager we love and sometimes don't love so much. <laughs> Jose, Jose Mourinho and his current season at Roma, uh, yeah. where he last time we caught up with our man, he had a he was not doing too well, but he had a bit of a comeback. They Roma had won a bunch of games, but as we said, they'd had a very good win against Atalanta, which I think we were expecting them not to do 
too well against. No. They beat them 4-1. And then they drew with Sampdoria. Then, uh, but before that, before that Atalanta game, they beat Spezia. They beat CSK Moscow. Um, so there was a bunch of uh, wins that they got that we kind of felt like they should. Yeah. But then, you know... Went back to after that good win against Atalanta. They went back. Uh, they lost to Juve. They lost to Milan. Before hitting some more form, coming beating Calgary, uh, Leach and Poli, and then draw, drawing with a ten-man Genoa before their big matchup against Inter, at, who are at the top of the table. This is yeah. like we said, a very very interesting Syria. It's so close. The matchup against Inter is for the Coppa Italia. But, uh, a trophy hunt there. Yeah, like, the, I'm very sad because my uh, prediction about Atalanta winning Syria looks very unlikely now. They yeah. play the same number of games as Inter, about 10 points behind. Um, but we have uh, Inter with a game in hand over Napoli on 53 points, Napoli on 52, AC Milan on 52, same number of games as Napoli, just behind on goal difference. And we have Juve with 45 points, showing their class, getting back into the top four. Yeah. But they are, uh, Atlanta do have a game in hand, even though they're two points behind. It's only a game in hand, so that they could get to the... They could finish fourth in the Champions League spots. So there's going to be a big fight over the Champions League spots as well. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, Lazio and Roma aren't that far behind Juve. They're on 39 points. So six points behind. They don't have the game in hand. They're on 24 games as well. So yeah. Atalanta does have the that Whole benefit position. of a game in hand. But that's not still, still close enough in this. Um, with enough matches left... Um, yeah, in Serie A, like, Roma's got to play... I don't have to play any of those ones. I'll go play At Atalantia. That, and Lazio. So, I mean, that's... Um, potentially, those sort of games are what's going to get them back into that spot. Yeah. Roma, yeah. Mourinho can still do it. Um, Juventus, yeah. still there. Atalantia, still there. Lazio, still there outside chance i guess for florentina 36 points but with a game in hand so they're they're yeah. also in the in the equation but potentially just a little bit too far back even with the game in hand i think so i, I mean, as we it's say fine. it's a it's an extra game to fit into the schedule which does at this stage of the competition starting to show your depth and how deep is your squad Early on, having extra games in is not so bad because you're fresh and you're early in, but getting through February, March, having to squeeze extra games in is harder. I mean, maybe not so much the Serie A because they've got the winter break, so they didn't have a break, as opposed to Premier League, which just goes and throws extra games in there just for the fun of it. Yeah. Or for our fun, really. Yes. Like, I'm not complaining. But... No, neither. <laughs> Uh, but they've got a tricky bunch of schedules, as you said. They've got Inter in the Coppa Italia, and then they've got the Sassuolo, uh, Hellas Verona before they see uh, they get Spezia, who are probably going to be relegated. It looks like yeah, um, this season, and then 
next month they get Atalanta, Udinese, and you know the Rome derby against Lazio. So yeah. there's only maybe one game that's a gimme that uh, Roma really should win, but the others are all fighting games. So this is where Mourinho's got to show the difference yeah. in class. Exactly. Uh, be the Mourinho we all know he can be. Exactly. Uh, the uh, it does uh, put. Uh, I do think that Rome, Roma's early form has hurt them. I don't think they're going to finish top four at the moment. But with mm. their current uh, uh, with their current progress and the way they've been playing. They should, I think, finish in a European spot. I think the goal of the season is to finish above Lazio. Yeah. That's obviously if the, the Lazio, best goal. If Lazio finish above Roma, I feel like uh, the Mourinho might get fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that seems... That's probably that. Unless because they ad manage if it's third fourth i mean it's still going to be pretty untenable but if he's at least got hey got champions league qualification yeah like maybe that's they're like um okay but um i don't think that's going to happen anyway so it'll be one or the other but yeah if he doesn't make champions league spots finishing above lazio has to has to at least happen otherwise things could probably be bad and yeah. I don't think he's in the board of Roma are particularly happy with um, him anyway but that said yeah, they may just well, consider him who else could do it other than him so yeah I mean, you can't complain that you're having problems with Mourinho when you hired him you hired yes. him yes. this was going to happen <laughs> Um, but yeah, the it uh this is the situation so far for Uncle Mo. We'll see what he can do this time in a few weeks away. We'll know further. But I, yeah, I'm not holding out hope for him, unfortunately. No, I'm feeling also that things won't quite go his way. I mean, you say there's potentially just a couple of games there. Over the next little bit, next few day, um, next few weeks into this, like if he gets those points on the board, heading into March in the Atlantia, um, game, then your know, Atlantia Udinese Lazio in March, or maybe, but like he's, he's there's some space to be made up, and he's not playing Juventus, so yeah. It's hard to catch and, someone when you don't play them. Yeah, and they've they you know they lost to Juventus in a close run thriller. Yeah, and if they can't beat Atalanta, I think that'll be that. That's yeah. Whereas I think uh, for my prediction with Atalanta, the they have a reasonable schedule coming up, which uh. Had a bit of a gander at. They've got Fiorentina, Juve, so that's going to be the fight for the position. They've still in Europa League against Olympiacos. Then they play Fiorentina and uh, then Olympiacos again and then Sampdoria. 
and then yeah. before playing Roma, so that they have a busier February. So that is in Uncle Mo's favor. Yeah, when it comes to Atlanta. Um, but yeah, the I think so Atlanta. It's got... a busier schedule because they manage the state in Europe. So yeah. you know, yay for Mo not having Uncle Mo not having his busier schedule, but also. Oh, that's right. You didn't even stay in the third tier European. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And I think Atlanta are one of the teams that can win the Europa League. So they're yeah. they're gonna do. I think they are gonna take it seriously. But that being said, I think they don't have anything really to fear other than that game against Juve. Um, but the other clubs like Fiorentina and. Uh, Fiorentina game could like the one they won in the Coppa Italia. Then they have to play them at the beginning of the month, then end of the month in Syria. Like Florentina is the dark horse currently for the fourth spot, so that's yeah something that could slip them up. But I would say Atalanta has potentially the more difficult. Oh, they definitely have the more difficult February, just because they have so many more games. Yeah, the extra games, and they've got like. Juventus, so they need to win that. Uh, yeah, if they lose that, that's their chance at fourth spot slipping. They pretty much have to beat Florentina as well because otherwise, that if Florentina wins that, and it's at Florentina, so that would bring Florentina definitely into the match, um, into the the race for fourth spot if they win that. So it's it's two in the Serie A. That's two, you know, games that are actually have meaning for the run for fourth for Atalantia. They've got a against rivals for their that fourth position that they need to win. So I mean those are uh psychologically tough games. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um that's gonna we'll we'll see how that pans out, but I don't I think if Fiorentina do beat Atalanta that's gonna be another rival for Uncle Mo who yeah, yeah. have to deal with uh, and he's not really been up to the challenge, I think, so far when it comes to the near rivals and, and the teams above him. Yeah. Uh, so if he wants, now's the time. At, at Atalanta aside, which was a good win. Yeah. The others, uh, he hasn't really performed against the teams he needs to beat in order to be considered a contender. That Rome, yeah, yeah. for Rome, considered a contender. But we'll see. Maybe they, he'll get some reinforcements next season. Maybe. Maybe. Um, and Juve also did get Vlahovic from uh, Fiorentina. Right, yeah. So that's going to hurt. Vlahovic is a gun striker. Yeah, well, that, that will know. hurt Florentina, yeah. Um, that'll definitely hurt Fiorentina. And he is just so good. Uh, so I imagine... The, that's going to be really difficult for Atalanta to overcome and Roma to overcome as well. But yeah. if Atalanta win Europa League, you've got five teams, baby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. And that, okay. uh, whereas, you know, Roma don't even have that fall back on. <laughs> yeah. And Roma just got to win. Yeah. I was just going to Almost just got to get them winning. If they win, then that you know results will start piling on for themselves. But if they can't get that winning winning machine going, then yeah, that's... I don't think 
result others' results are gonna fall out for them. They don't have they don't have the the track position, so to speak. And they yeah. don't have the the schedule working in their favour as much. So. And that being said, the top of the league is gonna be really, really interesting in Syria. Like all three like Inter are in pole position for sure. Um and because they're still in Europe, they have a tough run of fixtures coming up. Like they are playing Napoli yeah. um right off the bat after playing Roma. And then they're playing Liverpool. So that's a tough run of fixtures before they ease into that is the, a tough ease ease, quote unquote, ease into Sassuolo and Genoa. Though Genoa look like a club that's gonna be relegated. I, I made a mistake earlier when I said I think Spezia are gonna be relegated. They're just not doing that well average uh, the, uh, what I meant to say is Salernitana are probably going to be relegated who are bottom oh. of the CBI at the moment and Inter are playing likely. them at um, Inter are playing them at home don't see that being a loss playing Liverpool probably that's going to be the end of their Champions League um, then they get to play in the Europa League after that um, they, then they've got Torino, Fiorentina once again, you that's uh, and then they get to play Juve at the beginning of April. So while there are some tough games coming up ahead for them, they're games that yeah, Inter have shown why they're at the top. They're tough and they're playing well. They're playing well in Europe as well. This is why they got to the knockout stage. So um, if they can beat Napoli and Juve in those games, I think that's it. They're champions done. Yeah, nothing. I think one think can say match, the key match is going to be that Napoli game. I think. Uh, mm. because that's yeah pretty much the closest bit there um yeah if yeah. napoli don't win that then thereby into have a fun area we may as well start engraving things um yeah but napoli win that that pulls it all back napoli have a bit of a difficult one they've got they're out of the Coppa italia but they got into the match then they go to Europe, Europa League against Barcelona. Yep. Cagliari, back for Barcelona, and then Lazio, Milan, before they get Verona, Unities, Atlantia, and Fiorentina. Barcelona. So. Let's be fair. Yeah. All those good players Barcelona have bought can't play for them in no. uh, Europe this season. So the Napoli will probably beat Barcelona. So I'm just Which, putting that out there. They will probably win that. Um, and once again, possibly can go on to win the Europa um, it just does throw more games like they're probably going to win that just throws more games into their schedule after that and they do have some yeah some difficult matches through March so I would be shocked if Napoli didn't make a semi-final at least yeah they're in the Europa League they're that good a team like they're very unlucky not to still be in the Champions League I think um, and they're oh deserved second in the uh, Syria. So, um, yeah. and like I said, I would, I ex fully expect them to beat Barcelona um, over two legs. Uh, but they yeah. have a tough. You're right. They've got Inter. They've got Cagliari. They've got Lazio. They've got AC Milan. Yeah, you know that's yeah. basically they beat AC Milan in March. That's probably cemented at least second for them. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. But... And then. They win these matches, I think. You know, they win the Inter match, they win the Milan match. Beat 
Lazio. They'd be, they're in pole position to win the league yeah. at that point, if yeah, that, exactly. that happens. So, yeah. Um, and... Let's make that, that battle for the top pretty equal, really. Okay? Like, yeah. It's pretty close all around. And Milan's still in the Coppa Italia. They have yeah, a little bit yeah. of easier February with Sampdoria, Salentino, Udinese. Yeah. It's interesting that AC Milan got Lazio and Inter Milan got Roma. Like they both got, you know, the Roma clubs got the Milan clubs, clubs. and vice versa. You know, <laughs> that's just I just find that interesting. Um, just the way the draw fell out. Um, they yeah, go yeah. to Florence to play Sampdoria. They're, they've got Salentino they've got Udinese. So they do have an easier February. Um, depending on how many games do get played, they might be top of Syria at the beginning of March. It is a possibility. Um, but once again, I don't think they're going to beat Napoli. I think Napoli are shown to be a better side. They're, you know, yeah. uh, better players, better coached. Um, they're going to play. Uh, then they've got uh, another game against uh, player teams like Lazio um, and Fiorentina coming up in Atalanta uh, in May. So I think it's going to be difficult for them to come second with all that. Yeah. That th matchup against Napoli and Inter, if Napoli do win, that's when AC Milan might l be able to leapfrog to the top at some point. But yeah. 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 Or if it's a draw. Yeah. If it's a draw, yeah. But I think that only lasts until Napoli, say Napoli beat AC Milan. Yeah, I think Napoli the will be yeah. yeah. Now, if they go down to Naples at home, yeah, I agree with that. But that's still, yeah, still an interesting race there at the top. You say it's only one point separating them. Inter does have the game in hand, so they switch out to four points. But, like, all of them yeah. are still playing, still to play each other. They've still all got European fixtures thrown into the mix. I know. It's oh, yeah. the best league to watch this season. I'm so yeah. glad Mourinho moved to Syria. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Because like the whole thing like seems to be uh, in play, including the fourth place. Yeah. The like I think Bundesliga. It's pretty much going to be Bayern. Uh, obviously, League One is pretty much going to be. Uh, PSG, I think basically Syria, uh, it's, uh, there's a Seville, uh, Sevilla and uh, Real Madrid are at the top. That is a bit interesting to be fair. Sevilla did manage to make it to, did manage to win Syria, uh, La Liga at some point. So that might be worth looking into coming up. Yeah. And, but, and, and their eternal rival Real Betis is third. Seven oh, look at this. Uh, that is reasonably interesting. But yeah, it does is having the look that Real Madrid's probably going to keep ahead there. But severely... I think Real Madrid have kind of almost cemented that win. Yeah. I mean, maybe Sevilla. Who they've been drawing? See, the last three matches of all that's less than ideal for them. Yeah, and yeah. against Valencia. Delta Virgo and Osasuna. Yeah, that's less than ideal for them, really. And 
the Sevilla have a decent run of games coming up next month. That's not too busy. They've got two European games and only three La Liga games. And they're playing the likes of Elche and Espanyol. Espanyol's a tough fixture, but Sevilla yeah. should be able to play them. And then they get the Sevilla derby, but they play at home against Betis. Um, yeah. And then they get Alaves, Valcano, and Sociedad. Yeah, uh, it's 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 doable. And then they play Barcelona. Like if Real Madrid drop games, which is also possible if Real go further in the Champions League, yeah, yeah. which I don't think they will, but they will be playing the Europa League if they don't uh, get uh, do not. Uh, go further in the Champions League like we're expecting. Yeah. Um, so it could be. Yeah. Uh, they've got like Real Madrid have Villarreal to play in La Liga. Then they play Alaves and then they play Real Vallecano. So they have a very easy February coming up. But then yeah. they get to play Sociedad. We know the Basque teams always are up for playing Real. Yeah. They play Mallorca and then they play Barcelona. And then they get a crowded bunch of fixtures in April and May. So that's going to be where it could... That could be a crash situation. They have to play the likes of Hetafe. So that's a Madrid derby. They play Sevilla. They uh, they play Atletico. They play Espanyol. And they play Betis as well, who are in yeah. third, trying to get a Champions League spot. So Real Madrid don't have an easy run-in. Um, no. I'm not saying Real Madrid are not going to finish top, by the way. I'm just saying <laughs> it's not on a platter for them. No, like, no. It's often is. Like, often, you know, Real Madrid has the champ, you know, the La Liga, when they win, it's handed on them on a platter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. It's not a, not going to be necessarily the most simplest way, but they should keep their advantage. But yeah, Sevilla, even Real Betis, well, Real Betis is probably a bit too but Sevilla definitely close enough and definitely got the games in hand or the games to do it to to make sure that Real's been pushed. Yeah, uh, to be fair, Real are out of the Copa del Rey, which is why they have such a easy schedule. Betis yeah. is still in the Copa del Rey. They're still in the Europa League. They have a big matchup against Zenit, um, which might be the end of their journey, unfortunately, mm. but that does mean they get to the Conference League, I think, Yeah, if they lose at this point. Um, but they, yeah, once again, they have a decent, that's a busy February, but their really tough fixture is probably the Sevilla, uh, yeah. uh, Sevilla at Sevilla, um, and then they have to play, oh, they've got Athletic Club, they've yeah. got Atletico Madrid, they've got, uh, Sociedad, so they do have to go up to Basque Country to beat those teams, and then they have Barcelona to come up, and obviously Real Madrid, like we mentioned, and Valencia. Yeah. So, yeah, the, but, yeah, Betis have been playing an interesting thing of football. I've been hearing some interesting vibes from the football hipsters from them. So don't be surprised if they do finish in a Champions League spot. The first time since the days of Denilson. Do you remember yeah. Denilson from the 98 World Cup? Yeah, yes, I remember him. But yeah, that's a while back. Yep. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think yeah, Real Betis definitely have a good chance of, of claiming one of those um, Champions League spots. Which, looking here, probably mean either Barcelona, Atletico or Villarreal all in the Champions League. Um, and also Sociedad, looking at that, and Athletic also, Club. 
Yeah, they're both there. Not... Actually, yeah, no, they're close enough. Yeah, that. Uh, the top eight are all within a chance to finish in a Champions League spot. Like, yeah. obviously, Real Madrid are not. I don't think are going to finish below fourth. Let's just put that out of the table. I think Sevilla are also not going to finish below second. Oh. Let's just put yeah. that out there. I think they've done well enough, and they've they've shown the class. Yeah. To get and they they win Europa leagues for breakfast. Okay, so they're not yeah. going to be distracted by Europa League. This is a cl- team that does well in. Uh, what does well in the league while winning Europa League? So that's exactly. That's so. There's not. We don't even need to go into that. Um. So uh, I between, think, yeah, I think we're happy to stick. Uh, yeah, between Madrid and Real Madrid and Sevilla, that that's one and two. Whatever order that might take in, which is likely yeah. Real then Sevilla, but whatever order that takes, that's one and two. So it's two Champions League spots between. Um, but Real can't afford people. to drop any games, basically. No. This, no, it's no. a t- it's going to be a very interesting Serie A. But we've got Betis, Barcelona, Atletico, Villarreal, Sociedad, Athletic Club, and maybe even you could look at Rayo Cano. That's nine points between yeah. third and ninth. Rayo yeah, yeah. Cano have a game in hand is the only reason I'm kind of counting them. Yeah, fair Barcelona enough. have a game in hand over Betis, so they could finish third. Um, but once again, Barcelona have a tough fixture list. They're, we mentioned that they're going to face Napoli in the champ, in the Europa League. Yeah. But they have bought in some very good players. How quickly they bet in is going to be the key here. But they've got an Espanyol to play, who are Barcelona derby, Valencia, the Catalan-speaking derby, and then they play Athletic Club. And we all know... The Basque country teams love beating Barcelona and Madrid. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always tough to go up there for these uh, for these teams. And then they play Real Madrid in March. So they have a re- relatively easy, quote unquote, easy schedule. They are out of the Copa del Rey, which is to their benefit, probably. Yeah. They're gonna get into the Conference League. Maybe Barcelona wins the first ever Europe UEFA Conference League. We'll see. Possibly. And then in April, they play the likes of Sevilla, Sociedad. Um, as that's another two tough teams in that month. And then they, their May is Mallorca, followed by Betis, Celta Vigo, Hetafe, and Villarreal. Yeah, that's there's a... no easy games in that mid in that May. And no. there's but they, I think they don't have quite got that fixture conge- uh, congestion that Real Madrid have at the end. Yeah. And we expect Real Madrid to be in the Europa League playing out stuff at that point. Barcelona might not be. Yeah. Um, depending on because they can't use all their good players, good new players they've got in the Conference League. Yeah. They don't have a thing. So I think Barcelona might be uh, the favorites to finish third, unfortunately, for Betis. Yeah. I is... think. Against that is that May is is fairly tough for them, like that's yeah. a a fairly like the they're playing three or two three of the um enders for that Champions League spot. So depending a little bit on how things are falling out by then, that could yeah. make things a little bit more difficult. I think you're right that Barcelona is probably the key contenders for that third spot. Yeah. 
And, like, I don't think... Uh, there's also issues about Dembele and the team. Where he's not going to resign and things like that. He's on too much money. Like club Barcelona is always a club that feels like they can implode. <laughs> so therefore, I'm always a bit weary. Like, Betis seem more stable. Like, sure, points, game, a game in hand is a game in hand is a game in hand, but I think you'd rather have points. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if, uh, even if the points are not going to be, you know, uh, are not quite enough to hold off the guy behind you. Like, um, Atletico, Mad Atletico Madrid, if they win their game, they're going to be behind Betis. Assuming Barcelona were to win uh, their game in hand and Atletico were to win their game in hand. Um, they would still be outside the top four. Yeah. Um, but that being said, those clubs, uh, Villarreal, Sociedad, Athletic, Revacano, they should be sniffing blood. They should not be afraid of those clubs and the uh, up ahead of them. Like, go after them for those European spots. Giant kill a few Barca's. This is like the season to do it. If you're a club, like... Plucky little Levante, Alaves, Cadiz. This is your uh, this season. If you're going to be relegated, come on, it's time to get a scalp. It's famously for your fan. Go after Barcelona. They're there for the killing. <laughs> <laughs> or Atletico Madrid. Like, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. the clubs are they're not doing too well at the moment. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And you know, it could be a. It's it's going for that famous win, but also it's a few extra points and and quote unquote unexpected points. That yeah, yeah sure, Levante's that's not going to help them, but Alaves, Cadiz, yeah, maybe that's something that helps know. out. You know, that's three points that aren't in everybody's um, calculations. Something that just pulls everybody a little bit closer and just gives you something to hope for. Um, but yeah, there's a good chance end of this season, Andalusia will have two teams in the Champions League next season. Ooh. And Madrid will only have one. And heck, <laughs> heck, uh, Barcelona might not have any. Yeah. Uh, it's all to, play, all to play. Yeah. So yeah, two very interesting, like I said, like less interesting, I think Syria is less interesting, but it's still an interesting uh, battle going on. There's at least a fight for the championship at the top. Yeah. You know, the, the Serie A in Italy, yeah, definitely is the, I think the, the one to watch, so there's a battle at the top, there's a battle at fourth. Um, yeah. And if you took a closer look, there's probably more battles further down as well. Um, yeah, I mean, like, we're not, yeah. that's not our bread and butter, and we'll happily admit that. We were, like I said, we just took a cursory, exploratory view of the these two leagues, but yeah. they, yeah, they, we have been cursory, we've also sort of been keeping a side eye at it and, and seeing when, when people yeah. are talking, paying attention, uh, because, you know, it's everybody's saying interesting things. There's a bunch of managers from Syria that you might see starting to look to work overseas. Um, yeah, I think if Betis and Sevilla, uh, if Betis can finish in the Champions League spot, there's going to be a lot of players who are uh, going potentially be looked at by big clubs there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Manuel Pellegrini is, the, is managing Betis. This is why. Because oh, he's a really good manager. There you oh. go. 
That explains so much. <laughs> like, all right, yeah. Because I was just like wondering, like I knew something like this. Like, so I made a mistake earlier. Pellegrini is not at Villarreal, though he was at Villarreal back in the day and took yeah. them to the Champions League uh, semifinals. But yeah. they have a very good team, and the pair yeah. like hearing a lot about their tactics and what they do on the field and how they line up. And I was just like, why, who is the manager of this team? Like, I feel like I should have heard about a good new manager. Oh, he's not a good new manager. He's a good old manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just say it. it makes a lot of sense. Once, once you put the name Pellegrini there, like, oh yeah. That is how it goes. Yeah, I mean, that could be like a crowning career achievement if he manages to get. It would be so sad for Real Betis to make it back to the Champions League and Sevilla wins <laughs> that season. <laughs> oh dear, that's yeah, very bittersweet for them. Yeah, like this is forget the old firm between Ra Rangers and Celtic. This is the most bad-tempered and heated derby in Europe. Yeah, this is literally the line. The lines between Sevilla and Betis are literally the lines between the nationalists and the uh, and the Republicans during the Spanish Civil War. And people yeah. on both sides literally know uh, people who killed family members and things like that. These are personal vendettas in yeah. this club. So this is not just a city derby, and it just happens to be a particularly, um, bi particularly big city derby. No, this has history, and there's a thing, and the and the Andalusian derby is, I think, considered to be the big derby. Yeah, yeah, no, it's crazy thoughts, really, when you think about the, the history between the two clubs. I mean, when you consider that it's considered it's worse tempered than Old Firm. Yeah, no, and that's. That's crazy to think about, like, actually worse than Rangers Celtic. A, a crazy, crazy thought. Yeah, is, yeah. it's the, the real class divide in the Betis-Sevilla one as well. Like, Betis yeah, yeah. Is, the, is the team that votes, you know, the socialists and the working class club, and, like, Sevilla are the guys who still vote for the fascists and, like, right-wing conservative. All right. Uh, that's, yeah, that's pretty bad. Looking at that team, Hector Bellerin is playing at Betis on loan from Arsenal. Oh, that is good. Yeah, Queen is still around. Yeah, Queen is still around. <laughs> and he's the captain of Betis. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you still look there. Yeah. The man with the magic Bellerin. right foot. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm 40 years old. I'm 40. Yeah. Yeah. Rightfully club captain. Yeah. Alex Mourinho, Rodri, Miranda. You might see a few players here. William Carvalho. Yeah. Hello, playing in it. That's a very. Nabil Fikir. There's a few useful. Sergio Canales, of course, who's playing as the vice captain, because obviously your captain's a 40 year old winger. Sure, he's a club <laughs> legend, don't get me wrong. This uh, Sergio is like uh, a current day Betis legend, looks like. But yeah, oh, yeah this is 
That's a useful side. Yeah, no, it's the bad. But, uh, but I don't think they're gonna win. But I think they could win. Uh, they could go to. Uh, they could get third. I think they could beat Barcelona to third. I think. I didn't make a prediction on. I think that Barcelona are not going to finish in a Champions League spot this season. Ooh. That's my prediction. I don't know who is, though. Yeah. I can't say. I think it's so close. So It's so difficult to call. I want to give it to Real Betis just because. I think Real Betis will finish third. I am 100... I'm saying they're yeah. going to finish third. I think... It'll be Madrid, Sevilla. Oh, okay, I'm gonna make a prediction. I do think Sevilla is gonna finish top. They're gonna win. I think Madrid will finish second. I think Betis will finish third. And I am gonna say, oh, yeah, Atletico is gonna finish fourth. Atletico Madrid. Yeah, over there. Though I might put Real Madrid. Actually, not art. I think Real Madrid top. Betis, then yeah. Atletico Barcelona just to fade out. Yeah. But next season for Barcelona is going to be all different. Yeah, yeah. Especially with no Champions League football. Barcelona could finish out of the European spots. Oh, I don't think it would quite go that badly for them, but yeah, they could. They could. They're only three points ahead of the teams behind them, like Villarreal, Sociedad. Villarreal, yeah. sure, they have a game on hand over Villarreal, but they yeah. Sociedad, um, yeah, even Vallecano, they've they're only about seven points behind them. Yeah, only seven points. But it's, they get it's into a slump much. or get an injury, then yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it can go that way. But I don't think so. I think you're right. They will finish in Europe. Like that's that's it's not going to go that far. But yeah, is I think they're not going to get fourth. Yeah, but yeah, I think with that being said. That's all we have time for today. Yeah. Um, thanks very much for listening, and we'll look forward to hearing from you next. Catch you next time. <laughs>